I'm going to talk to you this morning on how we can defeat the spirit of fear. It goes without saying that fear seems to be running rampant right now across our nation. I think we all can agree that uh, the recent events surrounding this virus has generated, it's accelerated panic and fear across America and literally around the world. And so when you look around, you see the expression of fear, you see expressions of frustration and despair, anxiety, all because, obviously, of the unknown, the uncertain. And so we're living in a time, I really do believe, we're living in an hour where we are literally seeing the manifestation of the spirit of fear surround us. People, you know, they're fearful of sickness and disease. People are fearful of loss, not knowing about maybe their life savings, their 401k, maybe their investments. You have people that are fearful of the unknown. What does tomorrow hold? You have people that are fearful of the future. Is this going to change how we do life? Well, it seems at this moment it's changed how we do life. So there's a fear of the future. And then there's a fear of death. And so everywhere you look right now, you see the spirit of fear surrounding us. And the spirit of fear is a destructive force. Uh, it's a tool that the adversary uses to rob us of a victorious life. You know, God wants us to live a faith-filled life and a victorious life. And so many people are losing the battle today, not because of the giant that we're facing, but because of the fear of that giant that we call fear. You know, I thought about this. I thought about when Israel, when the armies of Israel had gathered together and uh, Goliath came out and intimidated them. The Bible lets us know that he would come and he would, he would just uh, speak against them. He would just probably call them names and intimidate them. And the whole army was fearful of confronting and facing this, uh, this giant, Goliath. But one person stood up to this giant. And you know who that person was. It was David. And so because David faced his giant, David won a great battle that day. And so we're not going to cower. We're not going to back down. But we are going to face this enemy. And we're going to face this enemy, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in the strength and in the power and in the spirit of our God. That doesn't mean we ignore what's going on. That doesn't mean that we bury our heads in the sand and act like nothing's happening. I do, I do believe that we need to be wise and we need to follow certain things, but we cannot live and we cannot operate in fear. God can heal sickness. God can heal disease. The Bible says that he sent his word and he healed our disease, that by his stripes, we are healed. So we know that we serve a healing God, that God's already has the remedy. It's his healing power that can flow through each and every one of us. But fear, fear can take a person to the grave. Fear weakens our determination. Uh, it weakens our willpower, and it paralyzes our potential. So fear increases the size of our en enemy mentally, and fear changes our focus from the promises of God 
to our present circumstances. Fear tries to get us to shift our focus away from God, his promises, and get our eyes fixed on the circumstance that's in front of us. I'm reminded of what Job said in Job 3, 23. He said, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which, was I, that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Listen to those words. That lets me know that Job sat around, and he was, he was worrying. He was wondering. He was afraid. He was afraid that he was going to lose his money. He was afraid that he was going to lose his wealth. And he was afraid that he was going to lose his family. Those things that Job was fearful from of eventually came upon him, which lets me know that if we open ourselves up to the spirit of fear, it gives the spirit of fear access into our lives. And so I just want to encourage us today not to open the door to fear, not to give fear any access or any place in our lives. You know, Jesus knew that we would face the spirit of fear. He knew that the spirit of fear would try to invade our lives. And so Jesus obviously has given us tools to overcome fear. He's given us his word. He's given us his promises. He's given us his blood. He's given us the weapons so that we can overcome fear. And so Jesus told us this. He said, uh, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. In other words, you're not going to be able to avoid, you're not going to be able uh, to get around certain things, trials, tribulations, storms coming our way. Just because we're Christians does not exempt us from what's going on around us. But this is what he told us. He said, be of good cheer. In other words, be encouraged. Why? He said, because I have overcome the world. So no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're up against today, we have to know and realize that Jesus has the victory. We already sung about it this morning. He has the victory for us, and we look to him, and our faith and our hope and our confidence is in him. And so we're going to have to deal with the spirit of fear before it deals with us. And so I want to share a story with you today going to help us on how we can combat and how that we can overcome the spirit of fear. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. So I'm going to give you a moment to go there. 2 Kings chapter 14 uh, through verses, or I'm sorry, chapter 6, uh, verses 14 through 17. Now let me give you a little backdrop on this story. The backdrop on the story is simply this. The Assyrian army, the, the uh, king, was trying to invade Israel, was trying to come against God's people. And so every time they would come up with a strategy and a plan, God would whisper in the ear of his prophet exactly what the army was getting ready to do. And so the prophet of God, Elisha, would go to the king of Israel, and he would let them know this is what's coming down. This is what the adversary is trying to do. These are places you need to avoid. This is the things that you need to do so that you can continue to walk in victory. Well, the king of Assyria got aggravated and frustrated and thought that there was a spy within the camp. And finally, someone uh, in, the, in his camp stood up and said, no, 
There are no spies here. There's a prophet in Israel who knows he hears from God, and every time we try to come against them, he reveals our plots and he reveals our plans. You see, I believe that if we will stay in tune with God through prayer, through his word, I believe that God will keep us one step ahead of our adversary. In other words, he won't be able to take us by surprise. There will be no sneak attacks coming our way that God, by his spirit, will continue to lead and guide us into all truth. So this is where we pick up the story. Verse 14 says this, Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, there being where Elisha and his servant were. They went by night and surrounded the city because the enemy always works in darkness. And they surrounded the whole city. It's another plot and a plan of the adversary, and that is to try to intimidate us, to try to think, try to get us to think that he's stronger and more powerful and mightier than we are. So verse 15 says this, that when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Now, we know just by this past week how quickly things can change. Elisha and his servant went to bed one night, and the next morning they woke up, and their circumstance had totally changed. Situation that they found themselves in had totally changed. And that's maybe how you're feeling today. You know, last week or two weeks ago, life was normal. We were going, we were doing, we were assembling together, working, all those types of things. And now, seemingly overnight, our lives have changed. Also, you need to understand that in the natural, Elisha and his servant were defenseless in the face of this huge uh, heavily armed Syrian forces, all right? So a sudden shift of events took place. They're surrounded by an enemy who in the natural is more powerful and mightier than they are. And so when the servant of Elisha sees all of this happening, look at his response. The response is this. He says, oh, no. My Lord, what shall we do? I don't know about you, but we've had some oh-no moments. Uh, we all have, and we all know what those oh-no moments feel like, right? Uh, you know, some of you may have that emoji out there where the person's putting their hand on their head, and it's one of those oh-no moments. Why don't you just go ahead and... Just send that out right now. Just an oh no moment. As a matter of fact, I want you to just type right now, oh no. Just type it in there and let's everyone respond there. Oh no, right? Uh, when I walked into the office this past Thursday and uh, I was met at the bottom of the steps with uh, by Marisa and Dave and Paul, and I wondered why they were just all standing down at the bottom of the steps. And when I walked in, they told me, that we would not be able to use the school uh, until further notice. And I just want to say that I respect that decision and I honor that decision. But I want you to know that was an oh no moment for me. 
When I heard that, it was like, oh no, what are we going to do? And um, this week has been one of those oh no moments, right? We've had students that have planned and have prepared and paid for trips that they've looked forward to all year long. And all of a sudden, they were canceled. For them, that's an oh no moment. Uh, we've had games, uh, entire sport events shut down, canceled. Those are oh no moments for people. Parents, when they found out that their children were going to be home for the next three weeks, I can guarantee you that there were a lot of oh no moments. What are we going to do? There are some people that because of this virus, they're not going to be able to work. And now they're wondering, how am I going to make ends meet? You know, provision, how, how, are, they, how are we going to provide for certain things? What are we going to do? Those are oh no moments. I think about the medical field. I think about those that serve in that area who are working long, hard hours. Those are oh no moments, and we need to be praying for them, and we need to be uplifting them uh, before the Lord. My granddaughter had an oh no moment um, last night when she was told that we weren't going to gather uh, in the church building to have church today. And I don't know if you can see it on the screen here, but this is an oh no moment. Her hands uh, are covering her head and in her face. Oh no, I wanted to go to church uh, which would have been yesterday. I wanted to go to church today. And so she experienced an oh no moment. This has just been an oh no week. And uh, when that oh no strikes us, I can guarantee you that the spirit of fear raises its ugly head and begins to mock us and try to intimidate us, to try to scare us into submission. That's what was going on with Elisha's servant. The enemy was trying to scare them into submission. So how do we respond to oh no moments in our life? What do we do when we find ourselves in an oh no moment? Well, our answer can be found by the response of the prophet Elisha. I want you to look at verse 16 with me. And this is the response that Elisha gives his servant. Do not be afraid. As a matter of fact, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to type that in right now. Do not be afraid. Uh, maybe type in fear not. Do you realize that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible? There are 365 references for us not to fear. To me, that represents God has given us a fear not for every day of our life. And so when we have those oh no moments, what am I going to do? The first thing we need to understand is not to respond in fear. The prophet said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you see. Don't be afraid of what you hear. Now, we know that there are and there is a lot of news out there 
that really is designed to create and to generate fear and panic. And so we need to be careful that we're not getting all of our information from the world. We need to make sure that we are first getting our information from the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us, don't fear. Don't be afraid, right? Because fear is a thief of faith and hope. We have to keep our faith and we have to keep our hope and our belief in what God is going to do. I believe this is why God gave Joshua a mandate. He said, I want you to meditate on my word day and night. He also told Joshua, I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. And the reason that God told Joshua beforehand to be strong and be courageous is because he knew Joshua was going to face some challenges, was going to face some circumstances that was going to try to create a fear in his heart. And so God says, before you go ahead and before you go forward, I want you to meditate on my word. We know how to do that in the negative. We know how to meditate on negative things. And that simply is this. When you meditate on negative things, you continually roll those things over and over and over in your mind. Continue to think about those things, to dwell on those things. Well, we need to flip the script in this situation. And we need to meditate, roll God's word over and over and over in our minds so that we can build up our faith, we can build up our confidence so that when we face these things, we don't respond in fear, but we respond by faith. And so be strong, be courageous. So instead of magnifying the thoughts of fear, instead of buying into panic, we need to equip ourselves with the thoughts of God. We need to equip ourselves with the word of God. We need to understand the sovereignty of God. We need to see the other side of what's going on. We need to see the other side of this. We need to understand that God has adequately made provision for us and that no matter what weapon is formed against us, it will not prosper. As a matter of fact, I just want you to type in right now, God's, God's got this. Just go ahead, type it in. God's got this, right? So I believe that Elisha's uh, response is relevant, and I believe that we need to respond the same way to what we're facing today. Did you notice the difference between Elisha's reaction and the servant's reaction? Elisha was calm. He was cool. He was in control. Why? Because he knew the battle wasn't his. He knew the battle belonged to the Lord. And so Elisha saw the trouble. He saw the army that had surrounded the city. He heard the horses. He heard the chariots as they approached. He felt the ground shake underneath him. He saw the trouble, but his heart was not troubled. Did you hear that? He saw the trouble, but his heart was not troubled. It's not that we don't see the things that are going around us. It's 
not that we don't see the circumstance or the trouble, but we refuse to allow our hearts to be troubled by what we see. Elisha's servant was overwhelmed by fear, but Elisha overcame his fear. They saw the same thing. They saw the same army, totally different reactions. You see, it's not the giants you face that will defeat you. It's the giants you fear that will defeat you. And so the lesson that you and I learn from Elisha in this simple story is this. When we fix our eyes on the situation, your fears, my fears, will flourish. But when we fix our eyes on God, our fears will vanish. So it's all about what we're focusing on and who we are focusing on. Faith, as I said earlier, does not deny the existence of a problem, but faith magnifies God above the problem. So when we focus all of our, when we focus on our problems, that problem becomes bigger and bigger than what you and I can handle, which leads to the spirit of fear operating and coming into our lives. So when we're focusing only on the problem, it binds us from the reality and it binds us, or I should say it blinds us from the reality, and it binds us to the spirit of fear. And when you and I are blinded by the spirit of fear, the voice of our adversary becomes louder and louder, and it drowns out the voice of faith. So I want you to look. I want you to look with me at verse 17. Listen to what Elisha says. Elisha says, he prayed, and he prayed that the Lord would open his eyes. You know, I know that when we pray, we pray for our family, we pray for the needs, we pray for, you know, ourselves personally. But I think this is an opportunity for the church to begin to pray for those who may be in a panic mode, for those who may be living in fear right now. I think one of the prayers that we need to be praying this week as a church, as a body of believers, is that God would open the eyes of people, that they may see, that they could see beyond what's going on right now, beyond this virus, beyond this pandemic, that they could see beyond that, and that they could see that God is sovereign, and that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to his power that is working within us. He prayed, open his eyes. Let's pray that this week together as a church. Lord, open our eyes, open their eyes that he or they may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In other words, he saw that there were more for him than there were against him. I want you to know there's more for us. There's more working for us. There are more things that are working for us than are working against us. So what does this mean? Open our eyes. The opening of our eyes is the opening of our faith so that we can silence the voice of fear. 
We need to be able to see God's victory. And we see that by faith. We need to be able to see the sovereignty of God. And the less we fear, the more calm we will become, the more clearer we will become, the more God will be able to use us in this moment of crisis. See, I don't believe this is the time that we hide in fear. I don't believe this is the hour that we cower together. I believe this is the hour that God has given us as a church to shine. I believe this is the hour that God has given us as a church to lead. I believe this is the time that God has given us as a church to serve those who are hurting right now, to serve those who are in need right now. Now's the time for the church to step up by faith and let people know there's hope. There's hope beyond this. We're going to get through this. God's going to see to that. Now is the time for us to shine with the glory of God. And we are going to do that in Jesus' name. We have to see through the eyes of faith. Because it may look like a disappointment right now when you just look at it in the natural. But if you look at it through the eyes of faith, this really could be a divine appointment that heaven is arranging right now. You know, the president has called us to have a national day of prayer. In other words, I feel like the president is calling upon the church to step up and to lead in this hour. And so in a moment, we're going to pray, and I want you to get your family around the coffee table. I want you to get yourself positioned for prayer. We're going to pray as a body in a moment. But like I said, our president is calling on the church to step up and to step out. And I believe we're going to do exactly that. You know, 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. God's not, if God didn't give it to us, where does it come from? Well, we know where it comes from. God did not give us the spirit of fear. But listen to what it says. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. I'm going to keep calm. I'm not going to lose my mind in these oh no moments. My mind is going to be fixed upon him. I'm going to meditate on his word. God's going to give us divine opportunities to share his love and his grace in this situation. And in the end, God's going to get the glory. I believe that God is positioning us for one of the greatest outpourings that our nation and this world has ever seen. And I want to be a part of that. I know you want to be a part of that. And we just need to be patient and about allow the Spirit of the Lord to lead us. I want you to join me right now as we go to the Lord in prayer, as we lift up our nation before the Lord, as we lift up even those that are maybe battling this sickness right now. I want us to lift up those that are in the medical field that are serving and those that are in government that are serving and obviously the church. I want us to just pray for the next few minutes and let's go to the throne of God. Could you imagine right now what's going on all across America as the church 
gathers in living rooms and homes and, and, and just different places throughout America today, that we have one voice, one vision, that we're united in this. Jesus said that if any two or three of you would gather together in his name and would agree on anything, he would do it. And so right now we're going to agree. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we know that this pandemic did not catch you by surprise. We know that you know the end from the beginning. Father, Lord, you go to the end of the matter and you reach back to the now, Lord. And Lord, you begin to move and operate in that situation. So Lord, we, we come to you as a nation and first of all, we humble ourselves. And Lord, we repent of our evil ways. We repent of our evil doings. We ask you, Father, to cleanse us and to wash us. Lord, just like we have been uh, asked to make sure that we're washing our hands and make sure that we're cleaning things, I also believe, God, there's a spiritual cleansing that needs to take place. And so right now, Lord, we ask for the blood of Jesus just to cleanse us just to wash us, just to sanctify us in this very moment, Lord, as a church and as a nation. And Lord, we come against this pandemic and we come against this virus in the mighty name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. And Lord, we take authority over this sickness and we decree and we declare that it should not come nigh to our dwelling that it will not come upon our family. And Father, Lord, we decree that and we declare that now, Lord. Just like, Lord, the children of Israel, on the night that the death angel passed by, they applied the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and on the lintel. We apply the blood of Jesus upon our lives and upon our homes, upon our families, upon our possessions. We apply the blood of Jesus upon this nation. We apply the blood of Jesus upon the medical field and those that will be ministering, Lord, to those who have contracted this virus. And Lord, we decree and declare that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. We call upon the name of the Lord today, knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Father, Lord, we're asking you to move swiftly and we're asking you to move mightily in this moment. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we agree as a church. And all of God's people typed in amen. Come on, type that in if you believe that today. Type in amen if you believe that God heard our prayer, not only heard our prayer, but God is going to answer our prayer. I just want to take the next few moments that I have just to share with you a couple of things. Today at 5 p.m., I want you to come back on our Facebook app or even uh, on our website, and we're going to have a message. Pastor Melissa was in, and she has a message directly for your children. So we want you to gather your children, get them around the table, get them around the TV, or get them around your smart device. And we have a lesson for them, and Pastor Melissa is going to be teaching that lesson, so you want to be there 5 o'clock this evening. 
We want to be able to minister to your children. We're going to continue to do that. Also, I want to encourage you to follow us on Facebook. I want to encourage you. Things are changing daily. So when we find out different things, we want to be able to communicate that, that with you. So follow us on our website. Follow us on Facebook. Any news that we get that we need to share with you, we're going to do that as well. I'm also going to ask Adam to come at this time. Let's welcome Adam back. He's going to share some things on how we can continue to worship the Lord, how that we can continue to continue to serve the Lord in this hour. Adam, why don't you go ahead and tell us? Just as we're using technology to gather right now, uh, when it comes to giving, when it comes to sowing back into the kingdom of God, we, we can use technology to do that. And it doesn't just have to stay in this time when we're gathering this way. But as we move back into our building and as we move back into that atmosphere, I just want to bring up a couple of ways that we can continue to give and to sow back into to God's kingdom. One, uh, we can text to tithe. I know we've talked about that in the past, but we can do text to tithing. All you need to do is just as if you were getting ready to text a friend, you pull up a text message to 84321. And in the body of the text, all you have to do is the amount that you want to give. Uh, whatever that number is, send the message. And if it's your first time doing this, it'll just give you a couple of very quick instructions on how to register. Going forward, after you register, all you have to do is simply just text that number, the amount, and it will give every single time. Another way that you can give uh, is through our website, lpcmentor.com. If you just navigate to the Give tab at the top of the page that you see there, uh, you can set an account up and you can give. We have a credit card, debit card, as well as PayPal. We make it very easy. It is secured. It is all processed through a very reputable and encrypted credit processing system. So have no fear when it comes to that. And uh, also just wanted to bring up that within that website, you also have the ability to set reoccurring giving, right? So uh, when it's busy, maybe, you know, when we were back in our building, the signal may be an issue. If you just set up that reoccurring giving, you can uh, just set it and forget it and just know that you are giving back to God and it's all happening automatically on your behalf. So if you have any questions about that, if you run into any issues, just message us on Facebook. We'll reach back out to you and uh, try to help you through that as well. All right, Adam. Thank you so much. And also, again, um, we know that there are some people that obviously financially uh, you are going to be affected by this. Maybe you're not working right now, um, but we're not going to know that you have a need unless you let us know that. So reach out to us. We want to make sure that we're taking care of you. You can call the church office. You, as Adam said, you can email us. And uh, we want to be able to continue to minister not only to the needs of the body of LifePoint Church, but also our community. And your generosity, your continued support is going to enable us to do so. Just want to leave you with this. I would encourage you, you know, it seems as though life has slowed down for us. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we just need to slow down a little bit. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your time together. And uh, spend some time with God. Just get alone and spend some quiet time with Him. As I said, meditate on His Word. Let His Word richly dwell within you. And uh, let's continue to join together as one church, one voice. Let's just believe God that the best is yet to come. Just want to say again, God bless you. Thank you for joining today. We're going to post this a little later as well. Thank you for joining. Have a great day. We'll see you at the point. God bless you. Have a great week.